What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of School PR Happy Hour. We're going to start this show off just a little bit different. While I'm excited for tonight's conversation with one of my closest friends in School PR community, I want to stop down for a few moments and say something to a friend of the show and a fellow Teespur member. Kristen Zastapil, who works in Forney, Texas, just a few minutes from both Aaron and I, found out that her young son, Brighton, is beginning his battle against acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Since meeting Kristen a few years back, I've seen so many pictures and heard so many funny stories about this young man. Brighton, if you hear this, just know that the School PR Happy Hour team and the School PR community as a whole has your back. Kristen, we love your family, and we are here for whatever you need whenever you need us. If you're a listener of the show and you don't know Kristen, visit Brighton's Battle, that's B-R-Y-T-O-N apostrophe S, Battle, and show her some love on Facebook, and let's all battle with Brighton. School PR professionals spend a week or two each year networking, if they're lucky. We pour into this professional development and the conversations drive us in our work. Collaboration is one of the best parts of our job, but then we go back to our daily work and the buzz of bright conversations and innovation starts to wear off. Welcome to School PR Happy Hour. We seek to create a shared space of collaboration and an opportunity to continue those conversations long after the closing sessions of our state and national conferences. We are a community, a community of communicators that lean on each other in hard times and learn from each other regularly. This podcast is about just that, getting to know each other better and sharing our passions about furthering education one story at a time. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome into School PR Happy Hour. My name is Justin Deering. Thank you for tuning in for another episode Tonight's an episode I've been looking forward to talking to one of my closest friends here in school PR. We met through K-12 PR chat, just like Tracy Gents. He was on my bucket list of people to meet at Inspra, and then we ran into each other, started hanging out, and here we are, I guess, almost three years later, still chatting almost every day in a group chat. We talk about scooters. We talk about all sorts of things. Today, I think the topic was wings and pizza, not really school PR related, but you guys know him as David O., he is here tonight with me. He is the Communications and Community Engagement Manager at Sycamore Community School District 427 in Sycamore, Illinois. David, thanks for coming in tonight. Thanks for joining us on School PR Happy Hour. Of course. Thanks for having me, Justin. So I'm going to tell you that even to this day, even though we've known each other for almost three, two and a half, three years, the the way y'all number your districts in Illinois still throws me off. Um, so like I've said that I've said Sycamore Community School District 427 probably 15 times before I started uh, recording just to make sure that I didn't screw it up. So um, talk to me a little bit about just your story, how you got into school PR and what you do over there at Sycamore, what your team looks like and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I could not agree more in our uniqueness of school districts here in Illinois. Uh, so like uh, Justin said, uh, I'm a unit school district, so we're a K-12 campus or K-12 district. Uh, in Illinois, we have K-8 districts, 9-12 districts, and then there's K-12, so that's what we are. Uh, so my my uh, history, I guess, kind of, a it's got a unique one. Um, I never went to school for PR. I never uh, thought this is where I would be, but 12 years ago, right after I graduated from Sycamore High School, actually. So I'm an alumni of the school district that I work for, which is crazy. So I've been a student and part of this district for 25 years. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, um, so they hired me. I originally started in tech theater. That's what I was going to school for. Um, and then about four years ago, my superintendent was like, hey, we want to add a communications office and we want you to take charge of it. 
had no idea what that meant, had no idea what school <laughs> PR was. I didn't know anyone. Uh, <laughs> I was like, sure, I guess I can take this on. Um, so that's kind of how we got to where we are today. Um, I've connected with all these people and just kind of kept growing it. Um, um, our department is, uh, I would say, pretty large for the size of a district we are. We're 3,700 students, seven buildings, um, five elementary schools, one middle school, one high school. And I uh, we have a staff of five. Uh, there's myself, and then I have a communication specialist. I have an events and uh, communications coordinator. Then we have another events and communication specialist, and then um, a translator part-time on our staff as well. Uh, so... Uh, most people kind of kind of freak out a little when they're like, how do you get five people with that small of a district? But uh, we oversee a, um, a ton, obviously, with being with the district for 12 years. I've acquired some responsibilities over this time, and those responsibilities have remained uh, under our wing. So uh, we oversee our performing arts and auditorium. We oversee uh, cable channel as well as uh, video boards out on our football field and competition gym. Um, and then we live stream all of our sporting events pre-COVID. We were doing that in Illinois. We still have not returned to most of our high school sports. Uh, so that has put a little wrinkle in it, but uh, it keeps us busy. Uh, I'll tell you, we are, we are, we are returning to sports here and, you know, in Texas, football's king, obviously, as most people know. And for the longest time, the UIL, which is the governing body over our, um, our sports, they said you couldn't, you couldn't live stream on a Friday night and because that would affect the ticket box. Well, we're running 50%. We're still selling out the ticket box and we're still have like 10,000 people watching our shows or our Friday night football. So the fact that yep. you do every sport is crazy because football Correct. just by itself is an undertaking. And I couldn't imagine having to do the like volleyball, basketball, all the different sports that we do in our district. So I know from just talking to you and being friends, you are always working. We have always told you to go take a nap. I think you do it at lunch sometimes, whether you admit it or not. I do. I think everybody in my office knows that I do. So um, one thing I didn't mention in the open, and I didn't mention in our um, pre-show talk where I gave you the heads up what we we're going to talk about, but Recently, you were named to Inspirus 35 under 35, um, and that is a huge accomplishment. I am excited to have been one of the people that nominated you because I could not think of anyone who is more deserving for how hard you work. And I know we had some conversations after that came out, but like in your mind, as someone who just found out, hey, this is this is something that I'm being recognized for. What what are your thoughts on being identified as a future leader of school PR? Uh, it was, it was quite shocking. I think, uh, if you probably remember the text message I sent uh, you and, uh, the fellow other nominees, I said, I don't know what you think I do, but I definitely don't deserve this. Uh, there's much more qualified people out there in our industry than me. Um, so, uh, I think that's just part of, uh, my personality as I just put in the work and just do the job. And, uh, I hate being recognized for, uh, doing doing it but uh my superintendent had a nice conversation afterwards and uh he said you do deserve this uh i get and i mean it's crazy because my superintendent started in july uh so i have known him for four months <laughs> and he's like you do deserve this um but i just think i think it's it it, it has helped me also kind of after i've reflected on a little um to kind of put in perspective the great things that we are doing um and it's not for you know self self uh for myself but for my district so 
Well, again, congratulations on that. And I mean, me and Aaron both were in the last class back before I turned 36. I think I got named 35 under 35 and turned 36 like the next day. So I aged out pretty quick, but, um, it's, I always, I just felt like it was just, it reassured that I was doing the right thing. And I think, um, from everybody that, you know, in our little group that we chat with and everybody across K-12 PR chat and the school PR hashtag, I think it was pretty obvious that you were one of the people that deserved it. And the way everybody responded, I think you, you should, you should be very proud of it. Your district and obviously your new superintendent's very proud of it. Um, I just applaud the work you've done. I've watched you through um, this pandemic and everything that's been going on for the last seven months as we, as a uh, group chat and as a podcast have tried to figure out what the heck we're doing, what our jobs look like. And um, there's been some real moments in some Twitter chats and some, like some text messages where we've really talked about the effect that this period of time has had on us mentally and physically in our jobs and personally. And I'm just curious, like just from your standpoint, like how are you handling the stress, the new stress of, I hate this term, but the new normal and yeah. how we are like with y'all aren't back. You're not back in class yet. Half of our students are back at school. So we're juggling virtual and in person. You're juggling people want to send their kids back, but y'all aren't there yet. Like how is this new stress and everything that's going on? Like how are you handling that as a professional and just as you in general? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I love this question. I uh, love it. It has become kind of a new passion for me. Um, I think we, we as a society and even probably as an industry need to start acknowledging that mental health and stress like plays heavily on us uh, individually and the work we do. So um, I am very open when it comes to mental health. I'm very open to uh, seeing a therapist. I have clearly have no problem admitting to the world that I see a therapist. Um, that, that, that has changed me personally. That has made me become a better person that has just changed my mindset. Um, and to be honest, like, to those listening and who have thought about this, like, just do it. It took me, this is crazy. took me 10 years to finally see a therapist. Um, after just years of, you know, doctors saying, Hey, that's stress, anxiety. You need, you know, work through that. I finally just hit this point where I had to see someone. Um, and I have no, I have no problem admitting that I have no problem telling people about the process and, or encouraging the process of seeking out a professional who helps and just kind of is that, that bouncing, bouncing board uh, or bouncing ball, um, to do things and, you know, talk through the stress and kind of give those suggestions and then kind of check in. Um, it, it, it's really changed, cha- it's, it's changed me and, and I'm glad that I finally did it and, um, and I'm always willing to answer a question when it comes to this and always there to promote it to someone and had reached out to a few friends and, you know, had these conversations. And but yeah, if you're ever considering it, you find someone and you're not driving, it's okay to find someone else. I, this actually just happened to me. Um, I, my ther- I stopped seeing them during the pandemic. I wasn't really enjoying the virtual visits. Uh, finally went back um, to in-person. I wasn't driving with the in-person the new person I was seeing um, in person. So I just, I just said, Hey, I need to go back to the old lady uh, or my old therapist and, uh, and was okay with the virtual visits just cause it, they were, they were great conversations and she's helped me tremendously just kind of work out that work life balance as a, 
as you mentioned, I, I'm a little of a work addict. Um, <laughs> and so I, and I, I can admit it. Uh, I have no problem admitting that I, I am always at work and I'm always working and people tell me I need to stop. And uh, it, it's, uh, I've, I've reined it in and uh, my therapist has helped me tremendously on that. And uh, another, another way that I manage this is uh, kind of a new way that I'm managing it. Um, my previous superintendent who I had known whole 11 years that I worked there. She was the superintendent when I was a student, um, got to know her really well, kind of became my work, my work mom. I, I uh, would tell her that and joke with her on that. <laughs> She's always like, you need to take vacation. You need to take vacation. I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? Like you're, you already give me enough vacation between spring break, winter break, Thanksgiving. Like I get plenty of days off and she's like, no, you need, to, you need to take some time off. And wasn't till she left that I, I finally, I finally did that. <laughs> Um, just took a quick weekend away and just kind of reset, uh, went up, uh, into some mountains and, uh, I'm pretty sure I texted you like the day after this, Justin, it, it came up in the group chat and, uh, spent four hours in a mountain with no cell reception. I thought that was the best thing in, on earth. And, uh, I never thought I'd get to this point in my life where, you know, at 30, not having cell phone reception was like the most amazing feeling, but, uh, I did. And, uh, it helped, uh, it helped reset and got me back to kind of get us to where we are. Um, and, you know, I think, I think we just have to, we have to acknowledge the stress that work, work causes or that comes from it and, you know, manage it and, and uh, talk through it and not be, not be afraid to tell people. I, I uh, told my, my old superintendent knew I saw a therapist, my new one, I literally just this week texted him, Hey, I need to cancel this meeting. I totally forgot. I have therapy at, you know, two o'clock on Wednesday and, know got a thumbs back and you know just kind of moved on i i I don't i'm not afraid to tell people so i think i distinctly i distinctly remember that text message you got back and i think we were talking about neat everybody's talking about how they needed a day off and i said i'm tempted just to run off into the woods for a couple days and just be quiet and you go i did it for four hours without service please do it like that was your response was please do it you won't regret it (laughs) Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I, I wish uh, I wish there was places here in Illinois I could go to that didn't have cell reception, but uh, we don't got any mountains uh, here in the yeah. prairie and cornfields. <laughs> well, we uh, first off, thank you for sharing that because I know some people, you know, some people are not as open as you about it. I appreciate it. Um, but one thing I did hear you say that I think is important to reiterate is it is okay to break up with your therapist if it's not working. It's okay. Oh. You, I mean, it's for you. It's not for them. They do it professionally. Oh. You have to find your fit and who you're comfortable with talking to. We've had this conversation multiple times since in the last year and a half since my dad passed about um, the process. I have yet to actually start the process, but at least we've talked about the process, which is a huge step for me. But mm-hmm. um, I would just say, like, so from your experience in that, and you don't have to get too in depth or anything. Like, what are some light bulb moments you've had about your work life balance, or about just some of the things that you've realized about yourself just through simple conversations with like a neutral party there just to help you? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, one thing that I I try to focus on or that I've worked on is not let things kind of fester. Um, it's okay to have those conversations with people. You, you're going to have to have uncomfortable conversations uh, if something's bothering you. Uh, so that was a huge thing. And, uh, the, the biggest thing I, my, my team would say, my new favorite phrase is it will be there tomorrow. Go home. Uh, because I, while I, I am okay being a work addict, I do not want that for my team. I don't want them burning out. And we all 
everyone on our team has just been putting in unbelievable hours. And sometimes I need that gentle reminder to be like, just go home. It will be here. It's okay yeah. for it to be a day behind. Like people are understanding. And uh, my, my superintendent, the other day we were in the car driving uh, to a meeting and uh, he, 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 we were talking and he mentioned, he's like, if I ask someone to do something and they, and they don't get done by the day that I asked them, like, I get it. Like, I understand there's a, they physically were not able to get it done by the deadline that I asked them because everyone is working around the clock. Um, and that just kind of like, that kind of like just kind of reassures, like, it's okay to take a break. It is okay. Um, and you're super you hug after that. I didn't, uh, you know, whole <laughs> COVID thing coming prevents in. us from hugging. Uh, and we're in the car, and he was he was driving, and I was sitting in the back seat, so that would be a little weird. But um, you know, he was not my taxi driver. We had someone else in the car. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I think it's important for leaders to kind of, you know, realize that and tell their employees that, like, we all. I think we all want to do what's best for, or you know make our supervisor happy, but there are going to be days where we're just not going to be able to do it. Um, and when your, your leaders can, uh, can acknowledge that, I think that, I think that's super powerful. Well, we have, we've talked a couple times. Uh, I've told stories about our little crew on the podcast. We've talked about our text message that we have going. And for those that don't know, basically it's a group of people at Inspur that got together and decided, Hey, well, let's get those rented scooters and go drive around all of Washington, DC Adam Harris, previous guest, got us lost, and we ended up at Obama's house. Um, it was a great night, but uh, the, I'm leading to asking you about your network of people because we've talked about the network you have in your in your your team. We've talked about your network that you have locally with your Inspra uh, folks, your I Inspra folks. But just yes, like, h- how important is your network of people when it comes to not only just getting like new ideas and sharing things, but also for the other stuff we've been talking about mental health and just being able to almost unload vent. Talk about that network of people that you work with, speak to on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and how they support you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this is probably what has helped me be successful in this industry. Again, I had no idea what this industry was, what school PR was or anything when I started. And I, uh, frankly, I didn't even know what Twitter was when I started this and, now look at me it's kind of weird yeah <laughs> uh but uh yeah and i think it like you said it starts local like it starts at inspra which i we say it a little weird here <laughs> just because of how close it is to inspra um but i i have a great network locally uh there are several people who i i call them my trusted advisors i've got uh carol smith in st charles brett clark uh uh getting a few other kathy i will never say her last name correctly cheese board kathy you know justin there we go (laughs) um and then chris Lipchop. like they're they are all great people in the state organization and just have helped me tremendously and uh we i call them if i'm in a pinch need something or just just need to talk and all four of them literally like i can text and be like hey are you free they all four will be like yep give me five give me a call and kind of just talk me through. And uh, I, I always like to, my relationship with Brett Clark is a super interesting one. We like to call it a reverse mentorship. And I think he thinks I help him a lot. And uh, I think he helps me a lot too. And it's just, uh, it's just a great way to make those connections and don't be afraid to, to uh, make those people at your state level. And then kind of growing that out a little, 
Scoot Squad, I mean, I don't know what I do on a daily basis without our group chats. Just the laughs that come from that chat to just get you through the day. And if someone's having a bad day, you throw it in there and you get four people just lifting you up. And I, I, uh, it's just, it's kind of crazy. It is really kind of crazy that five people, you know, and we didn't really know each other. There were some of us from Illinois and then two of you from Texas and we just kind of have stayed, stayed in contact and it's just crazy. Um, like daily then, contact. That's the crazy daily. Thing, yeah. 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 <laughs> Correct. And then like, if you like going more nationally, like I will say like, uh, it's okay to be awkward and reach out to people on Twitter and be like, Hey, I think you're awesome. Like, can you help me on this? I, I would not be where I am with crisis communication if it was not for Tracy Jens. I mean that she is phenomenal at what she does, her planning, her way of words, her, her itch. It's just unbelievable. And she's always there to help me always. I, I don't think I've ever tech, you know, sent her a message over Twitter being like, and like she hasn't gotten back to me like within that day of just like what to do. And I think that 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 has helped me so much and helped me, you know, kind of grow into this passion of crisis communication, which is weird. I don't think anyone wants that to be their passion <laughs> at all. Like, can't wait for the next one. Yeah, correct. Can't wait for the next crisis. That's like, like looking back over the last year, pre-pandemic, our district was in a crisis every single month for an entire year and it was our superintendents last year every single month we had student death we had malware attacks we had um false intruder alerts like and for a small district like it it, it kind of like when i looked back was just kind of like how how is this happening and and then COVID hit. Who would have knew we would have capped it off with COVID? <laughs> uh, but just Tracy's just unbelievable ability to help and just provide great feedback and just has helped me grow professionally. And I, I, I think I've messaged her multiple times being like, I can't wait to grow up and be like you. And uh, <laughs> like, it's just crazy. And then uh, my, uh, my last good group that I like to, uh, I like to message with um, and we're, you know, an unofficial answer chapter but we call ourselves gaysfra a chat room for this comes from uh, someone in the chat chat room for answer lgbtq plus folks and allies and that group is just a great resource um to also just bounce ideas off and you know it's interesting i think we each have our group our different group chats for different purposes and that one's just a great one for equity and inclusion um to bounce things off and just you know kind of talk to people who have like uh like uh interests or you know, like personalities, I guess. Um, so that's, uh, that's an awesome group chat as well. Hey friends. I think we've all shifted the ways that we focus on content this year. And I don't know about you, but I'm really connected to this idea of telling a story in everything that we do. I've been seeking a unique way to give our students a voice, but still feel safe about the content that they're producing. Luckily, I learned about Class Intercom. Class Intercom feels like a social media platform, but has safety nets built in to allow me to decide which channels the student-driven content will appear on. Now students can add their voice to our day-to-day district stories. Thanks to Class Intercom, now we can capture what's actually going on in our classrooms. Learn more at classintercom.com. 
David O, thank you again for being with us. We're going to just keep rolling with this conversation. It's kind of a casual conversation tonight just because I really just wanted to talk to my friend. I hadn't talked to you like like this in a while, I think. So yeah. uh, question I have for you is, you know, now that you've been identified as a future leader of school PR by being 3,535, uh, it's time for you to forecast a little bit and like what trends do you see coming on the horizon in school PR that we should be on the lookout for something that's going to be very important is, you know, as we come out of a pandemic, as we pass an election, you know, this coming out on November 1st, we're two days away from the polls opening. Um, just like kind of what trends are you seeing as, you know, a younger professional in this industry? Yeah. Uh, so the, this this one's an interesting question because I don't view myself as a trendsetter uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, but like <laughs> some, of the, some of the huge things that I, that I have started to become passionate and very vocal on is, is inclusion, diversity, and uh, it's, it's kind of hard to do that in the district I'm at. We're very predominantly white, um, but we don't have our problem. Like we still have our problems and we, we need to address them. And uh, we just recently uh had a teacher's avatar who had a black lives matter in her google classroom and uh let's just say we got some positive we got some negative and uh it really opened our eyes to like what we need to do as a district and you know where we need to go so we formed uh this committee we call it the idea committee um and through those conversations we've uh we've started to work on what we're doing and we just came out with a video last week and a message where as a uh, public school district in rural Illinois, we are completely surrounded by cornfields. Like, yes, we're 60 or, you know, an hour west of Chicago. We are rural. We came out and said black lives do matter. And, and that that's a huge, that was a huge statement for our district to make. We, we don't, we don't really get into national conversations. We don't make statements like that, but we all, we knew it was the right thing to do and we did it. And uh, under new, under our current new soup, he was okay with it and our board was okay with it. And it was just great that we were able to do that. So I think school districts need to start those conversations before something happens and kind of start working on it. So I know there are people working on it and I, I just think we really need to do it. And I think, you know, it's not just about race. We have many other groups that also need to have worked on uh, to make sure we're more inclusive to them. And, you know, I kind of, it's kind of interesting because as school communicators, I think we can just naturally start doing things without people, without bringing attention to it. So I know like me personally, like we use they, them, theirs in pretty much most of our communications. I rarely will use a, a he or she, or we just always keep it super neutral. And like, that's just a good thing to do. And it's not like I asked for permission. I just kind of did it uh, and no one noticed. So um, that's a huge one. And next big thing that I think uh, is on the horizon is um, kind of along the same things as providing translation services uh, to all of our families. So um, while our demographics are, you know, majority English, we do have a subset of, or, you know, a group of people who don't speak English and how are we communicating with them? Uh, so we, uh, this has been a huge focus of us this year. Um, we are, we are committing <laughs> to all building and district communications going out in English and Spanish. Um, we have an on-staff translator, as I mentioned, who is in my office. She uh, is part-time and she is translating pretty much her entire shifts every day she is there. Um, and I just I just think it's the right thing to do. Like we shouldn't wait until 
we hit a roadblock or until someone brings us to the attention, we just need to start doing it. And that's kind of what we did. Um, we just started doing it um, and making that commitment. So I think, I think people need to start looking at everything and kind of focusing on these things. Um, well, I think another, both of those, I think both of those that you just mentioned, both um, trends, I think both of those come down to, the, the core of our job and the core of our job is to do what's right for kids. Like kids come to our right. schools. We're that's our job is to bring kids in, provide them with a safe environment to learn. So if you don't feel welcome, you don't feel safe, you don't feel included, you're not going to learn as well as someone who does just the same on translations. If you don't understand what is being taught and I know this is, we're talking more district messaging, yeah. but as a parent, if I, don't understand the messaging. I'm not providing the best situation for that family to succeed. So I think it goes back to what, I mean, my boss says it all the time. If we're doing what's right for kids, we're doing what's right. Um, and, and trying to keep that framework and that mindset on every decision that we make and make sure that every kid, no matter what they look like, who they love, that kind of, that it doesn't matter. Our job is to teach them and to provide them a safe place to be, a safe place to learn. And I just love that, you know, in the middle of a cornfield, you're taking that stance and saying what your district said. And I think it's beautiful. I've, I read the message. You sent it to me. I've seen the video. I mean, it's awesome. And I just applaud that work y'all are doing. Um, I know you're about to talk about another trend. So if you uh, if you had another one you want to talk about, feel, go yeah. for it. Yeah, I got a couple more on my list. So, um, and kind of, they all kind of go together. Accessibility, I think is a huge one too. people. I think accessibility was such a focus when I first started because every school, it seemed like schools were getting sued left and right for the websites. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of stopped and people stopped talking about accessibility. And I can tell you, not all school websites are accessible. I mean, I'm constantly looking at websites, seeing what the best is out there. And I still come across things that I'm like, but we have, we have work to do as an industry and, uh, you know, kind of going back to translations and stuff like that. Uh, we, we natively auto or caption all of our videos. We've always done that since I started in this role. Um, and it, it, again, it's just the right thing to do and yeah, it costs money, but it's the right thing to do. And then with our focus on translation, all videos for us by default, we auto translate into Spanish. So we are providing English cap closed caption and then Spanish subtitles on every video that is produced by the district. And uh, it just, it just came down to it's the right thing to do. So I think, I think we'll start to see that some more. And then some other things I have kind of not related to that is customized communication. Uh, This is something I'm also super passionate about is uh, I think we as communicators are always told, get the information out, get the information out. And we can only send the same message out to the same group of people or to all parents so much before they start turn, turning off. So an example of this that we're doing or that we've gotten to uh, is our, our COVID self-cert as we work to bring kids back, just saying, you know, you're gonna self-cert and stuff like that. So for us, a parent needs to sign off on it, saying that they'll do it. The form is good for an entire year. And instead of continuing to send that same message out to all 4,000 students, you know, multiple times a day, my we export data find out who hasn't filled the form and then just send the reminders to the people who haven't done it. Yeah. It takes a little extra work, but at least we're not bombarding the people right. who have done what we've asked with the same it's, information. So, it's one extra, it's one extra step to save 
you know, you're not, like you said, not bombarding the inboxes. That's a great idea. I love that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and we, we, we do a lot of it. We do a lot of it. Luckily our mass notification system, uh, I like to say I'm probably one of their most challenging customers. I call support multiple times a week seeing why, you know, how I can do this. And while they're like, well, that's not normal. I, I usually respond with, well, we know we can do it. We just need to figure out how to do it. Um, and they've always been super responsive to, to working with us. And then uh, another thing that I think uh, is uh, customer service, customer chat. Um, I think this, this comes back to kind of, I didn't touch on this in the beginning, but prior to school PR, I worked, uh, I worked in the financial industry uh, while I worked part-time at the school district and work at, worked for a small community bank. And uh, uh, they taught me the importance of customer service and that's kind of carried over to where we are today. Uh, but I think customer service is a huge focus schools need to work on. Um, we kind of, we, we like to say we like to communicate with parents in the preference that they like to be communicated with. So on our website, we have an instant chat um, that we monitor, our office monitors, and just the use we see out of that instant chat is just unbelievable. Um, to, to help people. And I always like to look at the stats at the end of the month and be like, look, we saved 200 people from calling our schools by communicating with them how they wanted to be communicated. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing those. And um, we've talked a lot about the pandemic. We've talked about schools and kind of what they, your schools look like versus our sporting events. Um, so this is the question I asked you when we were talking before that you were like, man, you're coming out hard. So I put it at the end to give you a little more time to, <laughs> to, uh, to think about it. But I think, you know, there's a theme going through most of our episodes right now that we're just kind of in a tough time, uh, mentally, physically at work, at home, everything we've all been for the most part, all have been locked up in quarantine or staying out, not going and doing as social as we are. And I think it's it's gonna it's gonna throw some challenges and some major obstacles in the way of of school PR as schools hopefully return back to normal ish, whatever that looks like now. So again, as a as a future leader of school PR, I keep saying that because I know you're you're very uncomfortable with that. So I'm just doing it on purpose. But uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> but what challenges and obstacles do you see um, for our industry as you know we leave this? election season this hopefully leave this pandemic we're in the middle still nothing i mean we're still in the middle of somewhat of an unrest around the country with everything that's been going on and events that keep happening um across the country so like what big roadblocks what big obstacles do you see school pr professionals and school districts as a whole need to be prepared for so uh like you said i this is a challenging question um and in preparing for this i wrote two things down and uh i i wrote down burnout and overwhelmed um because i feel like post covid or post pandemic the expectation will for us will be for us to maintain the workload because by the time we enter this we're going to be one two years of living through this and mm -hmm. it's going to be the new normal and i just i just don't think people will be able to maintain it and i feel like we are going to lose some great people in this industry uh, from that. And it, it's crazy. And I've already, we, I think we've, I've seen some people already leave the industry who are, who were, who were leaders and who were, you know, we'll say legends and icons of, of our industry. Uh, so I just, I, I think it goes back to, sorry, it goes back to, what we what we said earlier, um, taking time and kind of focusing on yourself, and 
I think that that will be important for school districts to reflect on. I think that, I mean, that's not just for us. That's for our students. That's for Correct. our teachers. That's even, I mean, our parents, like in your district, your parents are still, you know, they're at home with their kids or they're at work and their kids are home doing virtual learning, but parents are having to act as almost as a, you know, a substitute teacher right now. The parents are exhausted. I know yep. as a dad of a seven-year-old, just the, th- the two and a half months ish that we had her home, I realized real quick that I was not a good first grade teacher. <laughs> I was, and I used to teach like yep. <laughs> I used to be a teacher. My wife was a third grade teacher and it was rough because it's our own kid, but your teachers are, are tired because they're, you know, in, in our district, they're, they're doing both. They're teaching online and teaching and sometimes they're doing it at the exact same time. Correct. So I think as a whole burnout is, is a huge issue that we're gonna have to look at. Um, you know, most podcasts, you don't plug other podcasts, but Brene Brown just put out another episode. And as many know, she is like my leader. Um, <laughs> she just put out a podcast about burnout that was just outstanding that I've listened to twice just to take notes on. But I think that that is a huge issue that um, that we are going to have to look at as, a, as an industry because we will lose people. We have already lost people that are like you said, legends or icons and people that, you know, you can text and get an answer immediately because it's just, they're tired and there's nowhere to really go. Correct. And I, I I think another huge thing is rebuilding that trust. I feel it's going to take us a long time to come back from this and just, uh, just some of the anger. uh, We talked about this today, back in March, teachers were, teachers were everything. Everyone loved teachers and they were the greatest things, you know, that we had. And, you know, here I am as a school district uh, who hasn't fully returned. Um, and just some people have lost that respect for teachers, which I think is going to take us a long to long time to come back. And I think some people don't trust their school districts anymore. That's going to take us a long time to come back um, to kind of get back to where we were. And I guess I'm fearful that we'll, we'll never get back to where we were. Um, it's going to take it's going to take a lot of work and that's going to come that's going to be the result of great school communicators and that's going to uh require school districts to stay committed to communications i think uh i've always said that school districts usually are a few years behind when it comes to you know budget shortfalls and stuff like that but i think we'll see in two or four years some people lose these departments and then how, how is this work going to get done um so i just it, i think it's important for people to stay committed to committed to our industry, committed to the people they have in these roles uh, to rebuild that trust once we once we uh, get out of this pandemic. Well, I'll tell you, David O., this was exactly the conversation I expected it to be. This is exactly the conversation I wanted it to be. Um, I, w- that's, I think we said first episode with me and Aaron that this wasn't going to be like season one where we came in and we picked a topic and, and our guests talked taught us about the topic every episode. Now, some episodes we are doing that, but this was one of those that I just felt coming out on November 1st, a couple days before a huge event in our country, in the middle of everything else that's going on, just a real conversation from a young leader um, in the in the industry, just to kind of hear your thoughts and your voice on just different things that are going on. The next episode with Aaron uh, will feature one of our good friends, Josh Sauer from Oklahoma. Um, and he will be doing a lot of the same things, talking about young leadership and kind of expanding on his presentation that he's recently done. But um, here's what I want to do before we get out of here. I did not prep you for this, so get ready. I've got four <laughs> quick fire questions just to get to know you a little bit more. Okay. Um, 
I'm just going to throw them out there. Just give me a quick answer. Um, and then we'll go into my usual last question. So your first question, your first quick fire question, you said you used to work in musical theater and helped out in the, in, uh, the district. What is your favorite musical? Ooh, um, uh, I am blinking. Holy cow. Footloose. I know it's not Hamilton because you shot me no, down when I said uh, I love you. Like, yeah, not my favorite. I, I am glad I saw <laughs> Hamilton and once was enough for me. And I'm sure I'll get some hate tweets about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to uh, continue our conversation from our group chat today that you never answered the question, is it wings or pizza for David O? Sausage pizza. All right. We have a mutual, uh, we have a mutual show that we are uh, both somewhat, I would say, obsessed with. Who's the best Big Brother player of all time? Oh, oh, I, I don't know. That's pressure. I don't watch it that well. <laughs> the answer's Dan Beeson, if you're curious. How about Julie Chen? <laughs> okay, we'll go with Julie Chen, yes. All right, and then finally, of the four different scooter brands that you rode around Washington, D.C. at Inspur 2019, which was the best? Was it Lime? Because that was my favorite. It was Since the one that went the, the only one you've named off. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's go with Lime. I'd have to go into my apps and see all the different apps I've downloaded. We don't have scooters uh, out here in uh, the cornfields. Um, and obviously during the pandemic, I haven't gone into Chicago where they do have scooters. So uh, Yeah, they banned them here in Dallas. So they got rid of them here because they were just leaving them everywhere and they didn't like it. Well, yeah. as always, David, I always end the show by asking you to talk to me about a teacher that had a lasting effect on your life and your career. So talk to me about a teacher that you had that, you know, left an impact on you. Ooh, that is a good one. That is good. So, um, and it's, this will be such a good story. Uh, I would say Mrs. Kavanaugh. She is, was my art teacher in high school. I had her all four years of high school. And uh, crazy thing is my senior year, I TA'd with her because um, I had planned to go into art education. And uh, just she really, she had a lasting impact. And the crazy thing is, is I've got to work with her for the last 12 years too. Uh, so it's, it's awesome to now be on that flip side and have that relationship uh, from when I was a student to now to a staff and just see the great things she's still doing and what an awesome teacher she was. Well, everybody who's listening to this probably already knows how to get in contact with you, but we always like to leave the show by get you giving us uh, the best way to get a hold of you, whether that's Twitter, email, what that looks like, so that our listeners can reach out and connect and continue the conversation after the show's over. So why don't you uh, explain to us how to get to that Twitter account? Because it's an interesting one. Yeah, Twitter's Twitter's the way because if I give you my email, you're gonna know a secret. So uh, the Twitter handle is David, and then you hit the underscore button five times and then hit zero. Uh, so David O uh, is uh, how you find me, and uh, if you're lucky and shoot me an email, then you'll find out what the O stands for. But I kind of like the so, secrecy here. <laughs> so my last question was, what does the O stand for? But we'll just leave it at that. And we will say, David, thank you for being here tonight. Thanks for hanging out with me for a little bit. It's been good chatting with you, you, my friend. Yes. There you have it. Another episode of School PR Happy Hour. There are quite a few takeaways from this episode, but my biggest one is very simple. I personally needed this conversation with my friend. And I bet there is a friend out there in the School PR world that you could benefit from simply reaching out and having a conversation. So do that. Reach out. Talk to your school PR colleagues. Do a check-in. See how they're doing. Check and see what's going on in their world. As Erin always says on her episodes, this podcast works best when we are interacting and talking about what we learned on each episode. So I challenge you to have that conversation. 
and share something on Twitter with us about what you learned in that conversation. Be sure to follow us over on Twitter at SPR Happy Hour. And as always, thanks for listening to School PR Happy Hour. My name's Justin Deering. Now let's go out there and be a little better at our jobs every day. And again, to our friend Kristen and her son Brighton, School PR is here for you, and we are ready to battle with Brighton.